Our uh, Bible reading tonight comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. So uh, the words should also be up on the screen behind me. We're reading from Acts, chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Amen. Friends, in our um, Living Theology series, which we've been going through, in these afternoon services uh, for uh, pretty much this whole year. We are, uh, we're currently transitioning from one topic to another. We're moving from the person of Jesus Christ to the concept of salvation. Or to put that in theological terms, we're moving from Christology to soteriology. But at this point, there's an important question for us to ponder. And that question is... Is Jesus the only way to be saved? My friends, is putting your faith in Jesus Christ and hence the tenets of, of Bible-based Christianity the only single avenue by which a person can truly escape the effects of evil, can gain a better and more meaningful life, can reach out and be reconciled to the God who made them? and can go to heaven when they die. Is Jesus the only way to be saved? Well, if you're a true Christian, then you may think that the answer is very obvious. And as a result, you may think the question unimportant. But I'd like to give you a number of reasons tonight why this actually is an incredibly important question for us to think about. And the first reason for that is because many people have no form of religion. 
According to the 2021 census, about 40% of Australians ticked the no religion box. And there are many more who do claim nominal affiliation, uh, especially with Christianity. But yet in reality, we know that they are not religious at all. And so well over half of all Australians would say that salvation is irrelevant. And as a result, they couldn't care less if Jesus is the only way. But yet, I've never met a non-religious person who doesn't desire a better and a more meaningful life. I've never seen the funeral of a non-religious person where it wasn't presumed that they are now in a better place, in some form of heaven. And I've certainly never heard a grieving family suggest that their loved one is simply no more, that they have disappeared forever, let alone that they are suffering in anything like hell. And so the irreligious may claim they have no need of salvation, but yet deep down, they're still wanting the very same things that religion claims to provide. And deep down, they believe that they'll be eternally secure without Jesus Christ. And so even if they don't realise that the question of whether Jesus is the only way is relevant for them. The second reason why this question is so important is because there's so many who actively search for salvation in non-Christian religions. While Australia may be a particularly irreligious place, the same cannot be said of the world in general. Did you know that according to the World Population Review website, about 30% of people worldwide are Christians, but another 55% are followers of other religions. And the majority of those, about three and a half billion people, are part of the big three, Islam, Hinduism and Buddhism. That means that more than half of the people in this world are actively seeking their salvation outside of Jesus Christ. They believe with great sincerity that the right way is only through their beliefs, and their scriptures, and their gods. And so the question of whether Christ is the only way is, of course, of enormous significance for them. Now, a third reason why this is important is because... Third reason, there we go. The third reason why this is important is because even within the broad boundaries of Christianity there are many who do not truly seek their salvation in Christ. I mean, for a start, approximately half of the world's Christians are Roman Catholic. And the official teaching of the Roman Catholic Church is that Jesus contributes to salvation, but yet to truly attain it, you must earn it for yourself. You do this by good works, keeping the commandments, participation in the sacraments, doing penance, gaining indulgences, praying to Mary and saints, and at the end of it all, by paying off your final debt in purgatory. But they're not alone. 
There are various sects and branches of Christianity that, when it is all boiled down, do not actually place their hope in Jesus alone, but rather in themselves and what they do, or in someone or something else. And so here too, the question of whether Jesus is the only way has considerable relevance. But there is also a fourth reason that we need to consider. And that is that again, within the boundaries of Christianity, there are those who do believe that Jesus is the way for them to personally be saved. But yet they also believe that there are alternate ways outside of Christianity. And there's four different views that I'd like to mention. First of all, there is what we call universalism. This is the belief that in the end, every single person who has ever lived will be saved. Universalists say that it's impossible for a loving God to send anyone to eternal punishment. And so it can't be any other way. In a previous congregation, we had a confessing member who gave every impression of being an orthodox believer. But yet in conversation, he suddenly said to me, Yeah, Jack, I know all that. But the Lord's going to let everyone into heaven in the end, isn't he? Some Christians believe that all will be saved regardless of belief, even if they have no interest in God. Then there's what we call pluralism. This is the view that while Christianity is true, all other religions are true as well. None are superior or inferior, but are all valid ways to God. Pluralists say that different religions are like different rivers flowing into the same ocean, or different paths leading up the same mountain. They say they all get you to God, they all get you to heaven in the end. So long as you're sincere about your own faith, then you'll be all right. Next, there's what we call syncretism. Syncretists say that the adherents of different religions are like blind people, a group of blind people who've discovered an elephant. They say one has hold of the trunk and he, he thinks that an elephant is like a fire hose. Another has got the tail and he says it's like a rope. Another finds a leg and he says an elephant is like a tree. And still another one has an ear, and they say it's like a large leaf. None of them have the full picture, they say, but together the whole elephant can be discovered. And so they say that Christianity and all other religions each contain an element of the truth. But in order to truly reach God, we need to harmonise all of these different ideas, taking the best of each of them and creating a kind of universal faith. And proponents of this idea have included very prominent church leaders, including the current Pope, Pope Francis. But lastly, there is the view that we call inclusivism. This is the view that says that Christianity is true, but that Christ is also hidden in other religions. They say that Muslims and Hindus and so forth will all be saved, but they're actually saved by Jesus 
without them even realising it. They say even if people outrightly reject him, that he still redeems them because of the sincerity of their own faith. And so I'm sure that you can see that for all of these viewpoints, the question of whether Jesus is the only way is of absolute importance. It's important for those who claim to have no religion, for those who follow other religions, for those who say they're Christians but yet seek salvation outside of Christ, and for those who say they're Christians but yet hold the views of universalism, pluralism, syncretism, or inclusivism. But let me tell you two more reasons why this question is so vital for us today. And one of those is because to say that Jesus is the only way to be saved is to say that the Bible is the only source of truth. And that Bible-believing Christianity is the only true religion. And that the God of the Bible is the only true God. But I think you know that to say that in this day and age will see you labelled as narrow-minded, bigoted and intolerant. To say that today will see you criticised, disadvantaged and despised. To say that today can even see you prosecuted, persecuted and killed. So quite frankly, you wouldn't want to hold this viewpoint unless you knew for certain that it is true. But the other extra reason is because if Jesus is actually not the only way to be saved, well then our faith will start to seem rather irrelevant, won't it? And we will lose our passion to bring our children up in God's ways. And we will lose our impetus for evangelism. Is Jesus the only way to be saved? Oh, my friends, this is such an important question. But what then is the answer? Well, as we have seen, there are many people who, when considering if Jesus is the only way, would say no. And they would say no with great passion, conviction and even aggression. Anyone following a different religion to us would say no. Many with no religion, but yet who promote the modern worship of tolerance, would say no. Even some weak and uncomfortable Christians would say no. But what do you think? Is Jesus the only way? Well, to answer this question correctly, we first need to ask another. And my friends, that question is, who actually decides? Who decides whether or not Jesus is the only way to God. You see, if it's us, if it's the human race who make that decision, well then obviously we could take any position that we wanted, any belief system that seemed wise in our own eyes. And isn't that exactly what we see happening? For those in other religions, 
Many with no religions, even some Christians, they all work on the same premise that we are able to find our own way to God. There's an incredibly pervasive idea in this world that it's up to us. It's up to us to overcome our evil ways and to earn divine favour. That we need to determine the way to gain a better life and to be among those who are deserving of heaven in the end. And so this world is full of weird and fanciful and contradictory theories on how that is achieved. But I want to put it to you this afternoon that that is actually quite arrogant. For if the Lord God Almighty is our creator, the one who gave us life, who controls this world and who holds our destiny in his hands, well then surely it's up to him to decide. Surely it's up to him to determine how he will allow sinful humans to approach him, to know him, to relate to him, and ultimately to enter his glory. Surely it's up to no one else except for the Lord himself to reveal the way. That means that if God, in his wisdom, decided that every single person would be saved, well, that would be his right. If he decided that everyone who sincerely holds to a religion of any kind would be saved, well, then that too would be his right. If he decided that we ourselves could somehow earn our way into his favour, and be saved, well then even that would be his right. But how do we know? How do we find his actual decision? Well, my friends, the only way is by turning to his own word as he has provided it to us in the Bible. Now, obviously, I'm presuming here that the Bible and the Bible alone is the actual word of Almighty God, the very place where he reveals the true way of salvation. And I'm not going to spend time arguing that tonight. And one reason I'm not is because Reuben addressed it so well last Sunday morning. If you missed it, look up his sermon. Is my Bible really the word of God? But what I am going to do tonight is consider what God's Word tells us about this. And we're going to do that by focusing in on Acts chapter 4. So to give this some context, we're here in the, in the very early days of the New Testament church. It wasn't very long since Jesus had walked upon the earth, since he had suffered and died upon the cross, rose from the dead, appeared to his followers and ascended into heaven since he had poured out his Holy Spirit at Pentecost. But one of the very next events that is recorded is the healing of a crippled man. Peter and John find him begging at the temple gates. But to the amazement of the crowds, Peter heals him and he walks again. And as a result, Peter has a great opportunity to preach the gospel. But in Acts chapter 4, what we find is that while they are still speaking, some Jewish leaders were disturbed at what was happening. 
They held to their old legalistic ways and they had no interest in this Jesus. And so they seize Peter and John and imprison them overnight. These men are persecuted for the gospel, but yet the church keeps on growing. And so in verse 5 it says that the next day they called together the Sanhedrin, the highest court in the Jewish legal system. And Peter and John, they were brought in for questioning. They're asked this question, by what power or what name did you do this? Well, in response, Peter could not be more straightforward, could he? For he is filled with the Holy Spirit and he pronounces that if he really needs to account for, a, for an act of kindness to a crippled man, well, then he can account for it in only one way. He was healed in the name of Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen. But then he adds something else. For while the healing of this man was a miracle, it was yet nothing compared to a far greater miracle the miracle of salvation. And so in verse 12, we find this glorious proclamation. Speaking of Jesus Christ, Peter says this, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And here in these words, God reveals his decision. Jesus is the only way. Let's think about this in two parts. First of all, Peter declares salvation is found in no one else. He does not suggest that Jesus is just one way, just one option amongst many, just one path up that mountain. He does not suggest that Jesus simply stands alongside other saviours, like the Old Testament gods of Baal or Moloch or Asherah, or New Testament deities like Artemis or Zeus or Hermes. He does not suggest that he's an alternative to Jewish legalism or to salvation by works. But that means that he also doesn't stand alongside of Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius. He is not an alternative means of salvation to simply being a good bloke or doing good deeds or performing religious rituals. No, my friends, the message is crystal clear. There is no other way but Christ and Christ alone. But the second half of the verse tells us why. It's because there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. You see, my friends, it's not up to us. It's not ours to decide. We don't say that Jesus is the only way because that's our idea. We say it because it is God's own truth. And it is a truth that he has revealed to us from the very start. A few weeks ago, I preached a message called, Is Jesus in the Old Testament? And we saw then that the entire Old Testament reveals, promises and prepares for the coming of Christ. No sooner had mankind fallen into sin 
And God began explaining that he would solve the problem and he would solve it in a very particular way. The Lord never suggested there would be a variety of options. He never suggested there'd be uncertainty over what his way would be. It was all pointing to Jesus from the very beginning. And in the New Testament, this truth is so clearly confirmed. In Matthew chapter 1, we're told of Jesus the Messiah, who was born to save his people from their sins. In John chapter 1, in speaking about Jesus, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. In John chapter 3, you know those well-known words, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And if there's still any doubt that Jesus is the only way, well then consider John chapter 14, where Jesus himself says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And 1 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul writes this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. Now this does not mean that humanity hasn't invented other gods and religions and ways to be saved, but the Bible makes it clear that they're all false. They're false gods, they're false religions, they're false gospels. And so we should hardly be surprised And we should hardly be alarmed that we still see the very same thing happening in the world today. But no matter what they tell us, no matter what pressure they put on us, there is still only one way proclaimed and provided by God himself. Jesus, my friends, is the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so what that means, my friends, is that we have no choice but to conclude that any person who lives and dies without turning to Jesus will be lost. That applies to the irreligious who have no interest in God. It applies to those who follow other religions. It applies to so-called Christians who don't actually put their hope in Christ. But it also means that we have no choice but to reject the ideas of universalism, pluralism, syncretism, and inclusivism. I mean, these are nice ideas. They're designed to ease the conscience of those who don't want nice people to go to hell. But sadly, they're wrong ideas. And in fact, they are dangerous ideas because they provide false hope. But does this then mean that we are a narrow-minded bigoted and intolerant? Well, the first thing I'd like to say about that is that if people want to make that accusation, well, then they really need to make it of God himself. For he's the one 
who decided that Jesus is the only way? Does that make God intolerant? Well, yes, in a sense it does. Our God is intolerant of human sin. He is intolerant of those who rebel against him and worship false gods and think their own weak efforts are good enough. He's intolerant of those who reject his love and his grace and his free offer of salvation through the sacrifice of his own son. And so I suppose that if people want to accuse him of intolerance and pay the consequences, well, that is up to them. But are we also intolerant in saying such things? Well, let me put it to you this way. I want you to imagine that you're, you're out drowning in the ocean and you're about to die. And I want you to imagine that I come by in a boat and I have two things with me. I have a life jacket and I have a bag of concrete. And I want you to imagine that I insisted on throwing you that life jacket and not the bag of concrete. Would you call me intolerant if I did that? Well, my friends, if that's intolerant, then yes, Christians are intolerant. And if we suffer as a result, we should hardly be surprised. For if the world persecuted the very one who came in love to reconcile them to God and to open heaven's door, well, then they will persecute us too. But my friends, may that never stop us from believing or from spreading this glorious gospel message. For if Jesus truly is the only way, then how could we keep that to ourselves? I mean, if you discovered the cure for cancer, then you wouldn't hide it, would you? So if we have discovered the cure for sin and death and hell, then how could we not share it with the world? So let's be completely clear tonight, my friends. Is Jesus the only way to be saved? Well, the answer is a resounding yes. But may that not be a reason for consternation, but a reason to rejoice. Because our God has provided the way. And it is a free and loving way for all who turn to him in faith. Let us hold firm to this, no matter what others may say. Salvation, my friends, is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, we recognise that in this world that we are living in, that to make exclusive claims is very unacceptable. Father, we realise that to do so leaves us open to accusations of intolerance and bigotry and narrow-mindedness. And Lord, I'm sure that there are many who for that very reason attempted to change what they believe. Lord, may that never be the case for us. Father God in heaven, please help us to see the truth of your word. Lord, help us to realise that it is not us but you who decides the way of salvation. And what a glorious way it is. Father, we thank you 
for sending Jesus, your own son. Father, thank you that he was willing to live here among us in this world, to leave behind his glory, to be born as a helpless baby, to grow, to live life, to experience everything about what it is to be human, but yet without sin. And Father, how we thank you that he was willing to intentionally and with full, in, with full willingness to go to the cross and there, Lord God, to, to suffer in our place. Lord God, we know we were the ones who deserved to experience your wrath, but yet he, the perfect one, did so in our place. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you that he is the way and the truth and the life, and that no one can come to you except through him. And Father, as we ponder that, we pray that you'll help us to hold strong to that truth. Let, we not, let us not waver due to pressures of this world. Lord, we pray that we might know that Jesus truly is the only way to be saved. We pray this in his name. Amen.